Saw, Spaceballs, In the Line of Fire, Mommy Dearest, and more. Again. So out now on 4K Ultra HD from Kino Lorber, our good friends, is Spaceballs. In a two-disc edition with the 4K Dolby Vision and 5.1 surround sound on disc one, and then all the bonus features on disc two. So you're going to get a 4K presentation and then a Blu-ray presentation, and the Blu-ray presentation has all your bonus features on it, um, which is pretty cool. So this film has been released like a bunch of times in its, in its life. It's had anniversary editions. It's had... Your Helmet is So Big editions. It's had VHS box editions. And now finally, it's going to get a proper upgrade to its transfer in this 4K release, which is All pretty cool. All of those previous editions were sold by Yogurt himself. Merchandising, where the real money from the movie is made. So this, this movie is out, and the reviews are pretty much saying that Obviously, it's the best this film's ever looked. Um, it's got great tones. It's really rich with color. Everything looks really great, especially in the close-up shots, especially considering this is obviously a Star Wars parody in large part, and most of the Star Wars-esque effects that they used were like done at a fraction of the cost as you know Star Wars itself. So the worry there was maybe it was going to look a little kind of clunky, but it holds up. Everything looks great. Um, picture detail is awesome. So... That's a, that's a good that's good news for anyone that was looking to even upgrade or buy it for the first time. You're going to get the best picture quality possible out there. In this release, also, all the legacy features from before, there isn't anything that's new. But everything that was out there before is pretty decent. I mean, you got an audio commentary from Mel Brooks, a look back on Spaceballs with Mel Brooks, Spaceballs the documentary, film flubs, some kind of like gag reel, all, all kinds of watch Spaceballs in ludicrous speed. <laughs> wonder how long that takes. Um, and just a, a bunch of other things. You get a slipcover with reversible art as well. Yeah, so... I love how Kino does this where they'll get their hands on a title such as Spaceballs. They did this with a Trilogy of Terror and they kind of go all out with these random, not mm -hmm. random titles, but... Uh, I suppose, lucrative ones. This is one of those movies that I feel like our generation like killed in like that VHS era. And I feel like that's when I probably watched this movie so many times, so often, and probably on TV too. I don't, I'm not sure hundred percent, but I feel like since ever owning it, I think I've probably watched it like once, maybe twice, you know, it's like just not something that I've revisited as often as maybe I did a lot earlier in life or mm. around that era. Uh, or maybe it's just cause I'm completely just burnt out from, Watching it so many times. I grew up on this movie. Yeah. Like I said, I, as you said, everyone in our generation did. Uh, I saw this so much as a kid. I saw it more than Star Wars. I don't even think I understood it was a Star Wars parody. Yeah. I was maybe five when I saw this for the Planet first time. Planet of the Apes. I had no idea what they were talking about in that movie. Referencing Planet of the Apes. And the alien joke. Oh, no. Not again. <sighs> No, it's a staple. It's a classic. Yeah, classic. no, no, I agree. And it's funny, too, because other than Men in Tights, this is the only other Mel Brooks movie I've ever seen. And I know. And there's a, there's like like Blazing Saddles, Young, <laughs> Young Frankenstein, Frankenstein, History of the World. Like, I've wanted to see those movies, and they're on my list to see. It's just movies I just never got around to seeing. Well, um, immediately start with Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, those are the two there are some I've missed. I haven't seen every Mel Brooks film. Is Spaceballs the one movie in his catalog where real Mel Brooks fans are kind of like 
this isn't the one to love. Like you should be loving this one. That's like a fart, you know, like no. this is like, or, no. or is it tr treated equally amongst his films? Is um, Blazing Saddles better? Would people say that? I mean, is that kind it of is where, better. is that, yeah, is that, is <laughs> Just, that like the general consensus? I mean, as, oh, as far yeah. as like his catalog, where does Spaceballs oh, fall as in far there? As I'd say it's probably in the middle. He has worse movies in space. I mean, well, I say worse. I like Spaceballs. Spaceballs is not a bad movie. Yeah. Um, Robin no. Hood Men in Tights is worse. Dracula Dead and Loving It Dracula is worse. You mentioned History of the World, which I have seen. I would put I would put Spaceballs above that. Thanks. So it's somewhere in the middle. Okay. It's, it's not Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles good. And as a 4K king, you need to get out there and watch those immediately. Soon. Are either of those on 4K? As a 4K king, I do not know. Okay, we'll edit that right out. Well, maybe Kino will put out some of these other ones in 4K. I wonder why they got their hands only on, or do you think they got their hands only on Spaceballs? I mean, is... I'd, I'd imagine uh, you asked about what Spaceballs' ranking is as far as Mel Brooks' catalog. Uh, it would definitely be, I'd say, the most recognizable. If I met someone who was 20 years old and they told me they saw Young Frankenstein, I would be surprised. If they told me they saw Spaceballs, I wouldn't be yeah, shocked. Yeah, it's a little bit more in the yeah, uh, it's, I guess it's more pop culture. It's just in there a little yeah, bit more because yeah. of the Star Wars element, maybe. I mean, it maybe. is a little bit more that maybe. that porridge, the Goldilocks 80s. So it's, it's like the sweet spot for everything. And the sweet spot of when it came out mm -hmm. also. It's the 80s. Blazing Saddles, is that also a little bit more, like, farcical, or is there more... <laughs> it's the whole thing's a satire. Right, dude. but is it more... Is it smart? Oh, I feel, because God, I, feel like, yeah. I feel like what I gather from Blazing Saddles is that it's smart, whereas I don't think that Spaceballs is dumb, but I feel like there is no, a little bit more, like, yeah. dumb... No, no, yeah, you know, like dumb jokes. I am your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's, former roommate. What's that make us? Absolutely nothing. Which are funny. I laugh at. But. Exactly. No, no. You're exact. There's bite. To yeah. There's. It's a. There are satirical elements. It has something to say. Yeah. Where Spaceballs is just yeah. a parody, right. essentially. Uh, yeah, you're spot on with that. Would a Criterion or someone try to latch themselves onto us? Blazing Saddles is that kind of his? I think so. Is that kind of a um, well, Criterion standards of preserving, you know. Uh, culturally important or aesthetically important films, Blazing Saddles definitely fits that bill. Yeah, and that's why I thought of it because I knew, you know, definitely. like I said, I've never seen it, but that's just been my impression, and that's maybe where I could it see them doing maybe the producers or something before yeah. that. But in my opinion, Blazing Saddles would be a worthy entry, and Spaceballs would not to Criterion. So oh, that's no. a good. That's yeah, actually yeah, yeah. a good. Yeah, yes, yeah. Key, yes. They belong on Kino. <laughs> but but no, I mean they're Kino. They're providing once again just a basic but well-rounded package. You're getting everything that you I, wanted before. You're getting a slipcase. The original art, by the way, the original art. I am not a some Kino bullshit. fan. I am a Kino fan. All right, Kino, send us a copy. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. I want to play a game. So out May 11th on 4K Ultra HD is Saw Unrated. This edition is coming with Dolby Vision presentation as well as a Dolby Atmos track. And it's going to be released in a regular edition. And then also uh, Best Buy has a Steelbook edition. And then France is also getting their own version of a Steelbook with different art than the Best Buy version. So, you know, you kind of have a few choices to pick from. This movie was released back in 2006 on Blu-ray. It was kind of like you know, the beginning of Blu-ray, so to speak. And, you know, it was kind of like one of the earlier titles that came out. And I actually had it on DVD prior to that. The DVD was in this really awesome, like hard plastic case that had a slip around it that had this red blood gel with this saw, like a circular blade kind of floating in it. 
Yeah, so I have it here. This was the DVD that came out originally. Like, I had never seen a case like this before. I mean, it's it's interesting right now. I, I forget how long this took, but it's it took a few years at least, but the blood that was in here along with the saw is now clear. Other than that, other than that release in 2006 on that Blu-ray, there was also some eight film collection that they put out, which it was, I think, four discs, eight movies spread across there. So it was kind of like a real cheap kind of cash grab to kind of throw everything together. They didn't put any love into some kind of box set for it, which probably makes sense because they put another one out every so often anyway. So on this new release, you're getting all the legacy features that were on all these previous releases. You're not getting anything new at all. You're getting some audio commentaries from pretty much everybody involved with the film, including James Wan, including Lee Wannell, who was a writer and he was playing opposite Carrie Elways in the bathroom and then there's the original short film of saw that got kind of got this got this movie launched for these two guys so you're going to get that if if you're interested and then um some you know trailers storyboards just some typical kind of stuff you just skip over most likely um so really just buying this for the upgraded quality in the disc so if you've never bought this movie before now is definitely the time i've never owned this on anything other than this DVD. So I do think that this will probably be the time where I'm going to upgrade. And I probably am going to go with the Best Buy Steelbook, which I know we talk a lot about Steelbooks and how shitty they look, but the Best Buy one is pretty decent. I do like how some of these more recent Steelbooks I've seen have slip covers on them. I don't know if that's kind of like the initial run of them will have it. Best mm -hmm. Buy really does have kind of a, uh, a lock on the Steelbook game. Yeah. I know Target tries to jump in every now and again. Yeah, but, uh, Zavi. Like it, well, Zavi, yeah. But with Best Buy, they uh, they really do. They they kind of push their yeah, limited I mean, edition steel books. They do, and a, and a lot of times, you know, it's always a it's always new art. It's always something that's exclusive to them, and this is no exception. This Best Buy steel. Without the slip, it's the puppet really big on there, but then when you put the slip on it, it turns the whole case into something that looks like a, like a TV or something that the puppet is on, and it says unrated underneath. It kind of like changes the look altogether, which that's the way I like it. I wouldn't buy it if it didn't have that slip, essentially. The France one's got the Shawnee Smith character in the bear trap in that scene. That's the cover for that one, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I know you haven't seen this before. I have not. Mm -hmm. I thought this movie was kind of an interesting concept when it first came out. I thought it was well executed. I thought, you know, for what they for what they had, the budget they had, which was next to nothing, um, they pulled this movie off and made it, you know, probably the vision that they were really hoping to based on the short that they put together. Um, got Carrie Elways and Danny Glover. Like, I, didn't, I don't think I'd seen Danny Glover in anything in a long time when I saw that movie. I was like, where have you been, Danny Glover? And now all of a sudden you pop up and saw. And he's, he kind of is playing like the Murtaugh character a little bit. He's kind of like too old for this shit. I'm too old for this shit. I'm too old for this shit. I'm really too old for this no, you shit. go for it. I'm too old for this shit. One of the main criticisms you could probably throw at this movie was that the, the acting was a little shaky at times. I feel like there was a couple of takes where you kind of like maybe cringed at like something Carrie always said or maybe cringed at something someone said and which was kind of interesting because these aren't amateur actors, but I just feel like they didn't have a lot of time. They didn't have a lot of money. They just had to take you know the first few takes that they could get and just go with it. So that's the only thing that I, I remember feeling was a little clunky. Other than that, I thought it was like perfectly executed for what you were going and expecting. I doubt they expected it to be half as big as what it ended up being. Yeah. I thought maybe they think it was just a, you know, 
a little indie horror film that would probably live on cable or something, but this ended up being a smash. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. And like, I don't think they anticipated it being nine films later. You know, they definitely didn't see this being some kind of Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th sort of, you know, huge collection of movies with this Jigsaw character being the, the head of it, you know? The character himself, I don't think is very compelling. You don't know me. And I think it's the traps that are what it what makes it in, in a weird way. It's like not a slasher, but it's like, a, what do you call it? Like a torture porn kind of thing. That's maybe not so much the first movie, but it keeps going that way. It's like how many more crazy traps, how many more different ways can we kill people and maim people and, you know. I mean, that's what slasher sequels yeah. become also. Yeah, it's, it's right. Just how is Jason going to kill yeah. this camper? I actually, in a nostalgic way, appreciate how many sequels there are to this, just as a concept, since I've never actually seen them. The thing that they hung their hat on, I feel like, for this movie was that there was a cool concept, like I mentioned, really well done and so on, but they try to pull the rug out from under you at the end, and it worked in my case, but I know there were some people that kind of saw it coming, and, you know, but if they didn't stick the landing for this kind of movie, I feel like you would just write it off. So Saw is the M. Night Shyamalan of horror franchises. It, it, it kind of was in that in that way, where there was just a really cool twist out of nowhere that you thought they wrapped up the movie, but they really didn't. And then the problem with that was, and probably like Emily Chimelon too. That's what I'm saying. It became defined yep. by it yeah. has to have. I gotta a, have a twist. Yeah. Yep. I've gotta try to fool. Yep. I gotta try to fool the audience. M Night, I think, kind of started dropping that a little bit, thankfully, but I don't think a single one of these Saw movies did. I think there was a twist ending that was added to almost every single one. A lot of times it was a callback to even the original movie. There was a callback to the original movie in the second film. There's a callback, I think, to the second and first movie in the third movie. You know, there's like a lot of different things that they try to do to ma manipulate the timeline. Like, this is happening simultaneously and. All of a sudden, we're in the same room as the first movie, you know, like, you know, they kind of like do a lot of that kind of shit. Um, but again, Jigsaw keeps coming back. I don't think he's a compelling villain. He's no Jason. He's no Freddy. He's no Michael Myers. He's no Pumpkinhead. I didn't have anybody else. He's <laughs> the only one movie, Pumpkinhead. No, they're Pumpkinhead sequels, but... Pumpkinhead. You don't know me. Uh, and in conclusion, this edition only exists because of Chris Rock's remake. Yes. And... You are absolutely right. I feel like it's got to be the case. I was actually pretty surprised at Chris Rock's involvement and how passionate he was. And I feel like I'd heard about this movie for at least a year before, maybe even longer, where Chris Rock himself was trying to just get a new soft film off the ground. Like that was the only tidbit of the news story and there wasn't anything else. And I was like, that's kind of strange. Why? Like, why him? That's really odd that he would try to pick up the mantle of the soft franchise and try to get another episode in there, like a reimagining of it or something. And then sure enough, Trailer came out and he's in it. And I was kind of also taken aback in the trailer where, you know, he's the cop on the case. And it's referred to that his dad once also was on the trail of Jigsaw and never captured him. So he needs to go get his help. And it turns out his dad is played by Samuel L. Jackson, who the minute they're on screen together, you look at both of these men and you're like, how is one of these guys the other guy's dad? Like they both look either the same age or definitely not able. Samuel L. Jackson looks freaking like 50 years old. And he's 72. And Chris Rock is 56. Anyway, this movie will probably be trash. I can't imagine it'll be good. They're going to try to do the same thing where there'll be some crazy twist at the end. And that probably took them the most time to cook up. Even if Chris Rock torpedoes it, it's mm -hmm. the worst film ever. I mean, what is he ruining? What legacy, Nothing. What legacy are you ruining? His. So, I mean, there's his only... Legacy? 
I think it's a win-win for him. I mean, it, by comparison to the one, to the sequels that already exist, I guarantee you it's going to be better simply by Samuel L. Jackson's involvement. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it's nowhere you can go really but up. It's a day one buy for me, I think. I'm definitely going to pick it up. I'm going to get the better steelbook art for a change. Um, Saw will be out on May 11th. Pick it up now. Pre-order it then. What do you see when you're in the dark? And the demons come. I see you standing over the grave of another dead president. So out June 15th on 4K Ultra HD from Sony Pictures is In the Line of Fire 4K. So this film, Russ, has been newly remastered in 4K from the original negative with HDR10 color grading and an all-new Dolby Atmos track as well as the original theatrical 5.1 and the original theatrical stereo. So you're getting all the sounds for this one. Again... Nothing new in this set. All legacy features involved. Audio commentaries with Wolfgang Peterson himself. Deleted scenes, featurettes, all that kind of stuff. This movie, there's no fanfare coming out for this movie. I personally really like this movie a lot. I watched this movie a ton of times in the 90s. A ton of times. Clint Eastwood, this movie, and Pink Cadillac. I don't know why those movies I remember in the 90s the most. Just constantly watching. I forgot Pink Cadillac even existed. I'll be thinking about that when I'm pissing on your grave. And this is a cool Clint Eastwood movie, but again, John Malkovich, I feel like, is the the show stealer here. Was he nominated for an Oscar for this? He was nominated um, in 1994 for Best Supporting Actor. So you show me some goddamn respect! He completely steals the show, and I think I had only seen him in one other movie before this, and it was called Making Mr. Right. Where <laughs> I he remember was, that. You remember that? He was so corny in it. He was a scientist that created a, a robot of himself that then she thinks it's him, falls in love with him. He's destined to fly to, like, I don't know, the moon or Mars or some shit. And I don't, it was such a weird, it was kind of like a weird, bizarre, quirky movie, right? But then, so that's all I knew him from. But then this one, you know, the dude, he's completely unhinged. The performance is completely wild. Do you know how easily I could kill you, Frank? Do you know how many times I've watched you go in and out of that apartment? Is this like the first movie where he really became, like, not known for being able to become an unhinged actor in films? Because I feel like I didn't know him from having that sort of range prior to this movie. And I feel like he's parodied at this point for being this, like, intense, enraged, could, like, it goes from, like, being super quiet to being completely enraged in like a matter of seconds. Top 10 things that sound creepy when they're said by John Malkovich. Number eight. You mean I get all these great funk classics on just one compact disc? (laughs) Like that's the stereotype for him. Am I wrong? Based on my age, Mm -hmm. this was probably the first movie I saw him as a villainous character. Yeah. As a menacing character mm-hmm. i mean there's so many <laughs> scenes where john malkovich in this movie is just fucking terrifying like like so many of them honestly um, i haven't I don't know. seen it since it came out the the main thing i remember is the gun he made dude and, i was uh, gonna say that too that's the only that's the main thing i remember and he's making that plastic gun you're kind of not sure what he's doing he's at like first. by a creek or something doesn't he is that the, that's like the first time he shoots somebody why did you kill that bird asshole the plastic gun was definitely very memorable. Um, back to the original art. Thank you is for that. Is that Clint running by the limo? It is. And it's like, it's exactly what they put out originally. It's great original art. The original Blu-ray that came out was some Photoshop floating head nonsense. That's just, I hate when they do that. It makes no sense. This, the original art's back. Thank you for moving away from the terrible Photoshop jobs. Day one. 
So out June 1st on Blu-ray from Paramount on their Paramount Presents line is Mommy Dearest. About time. And it's 40th anniversary. So this is a Blu-ray debut um, and with a brand new 4K restoration of the film. It was just about to be released on Blu-ray in, I think, Australia. But now Paramount Presents has beat them to the punch. Um, so... Again, as they as they would on this on this line, you get that really cool slip box that opens up, and you see the poster in there. And again, they have a filmmaker focus like they normally do. So, features included here is a new audio commentary by American drag queen Hedda Lettuce. And that's oh, that's Hedda H E D D A Lettuce. Hedda oh, Lettuce. They did a commentary on Unforgiven. A new filmmaker focus where biographer Justin Bozong. Talks about director Frank Perry. So Frank Perry no longer with us. Rest in peace. So they got someone named Justin Bozong to come out and speak on him for this new featurette on here. And then, of course, you have a commentary previously done by filmmaker John Waters. You have uh, some I other actually fe- didn't know that was a thing. I I'm never sure picked, that's wild. I never picked up the special edition DVD. Yeah, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's wild. That's awesome. That's a great feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and a few other featurettes. So, you know, nothing nothing huge. Um, but, again, it's a nice line. It's a nice box. It's a nice slip and all that good stuff. So another solid release. Um, many are questioning, however, why this movie would be released on this label at all. So I haven't – I'm very unfamiliar – I don't want to say unfamiliar with this movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I don't think I've sat down and watched this movie front to back. As a kid, when I remember watching this or seeing it, all I looked at was, man, that lady is terrible. Like, man, I wouldn't want that to be my mom. Don't you oh, tell mommy, me what no. I'm doing. Don't tell me. Don't. Oh, no. This ought to teach you. I'd rather you go bald to school than look at like a trap. I'm like, as a kid, that's all you think about. Like, I'm not looking at it as a movie. I'm I mean, not that's looking kind at of it. what the movie's about. From a kid, you're like, holy shit. You know, but I'm not, I wasn't a critic, you know, or anything else. I guess what I'm reading or from other people, and you'll tell me too, is this, is this movie like funny or something as an adult? Like when you oh, watch this. It's unintentionally funny is it, from the start. Here, here's it a, a direct, here's a direct quote. It's undisciplined, overly campy, unintentionally laughable, mixes fact and legend, mm-hmm. and then this isn't exactly a worthy film for such a premium release. This is just what the fans are saying out there. What fans? I'm The fans of Paramount Presents and Mommy Dearest and people that want everything to buy Blu-rays. Just, they're like, what the frig are they doing? Everything you just described is why it has the cult following it has. So hit me with it. Why? Like, what it's, is it? It's just ridiculous? Of, it's just so melodramatic. The acting's over the top. Like, Faye Dunaway is giving you, like, 110 in scenes that required 30. <laughs> Yeah, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. It's campy and it's hilarious and it works. It's entertaining. Is it? Is her performance Oscar worthy? Is it just legendary for being that over the top? Legendary for being that over. So it's not even. You can Faye Dunaway's a great being, actress, though. Faye Dunaway, like basically, it feels like yeah, she's acting in the wrong movie. Was she? Do you think she was directed to act in that way, yes. or that was her portrayal? No, of I think the she character? was directed. Yeah, I mean, I I have no definitive way of knowing that. Faye, comment down below. Let us know what happened. <laughs> I mean, entertaining. I remember scenes where she's you know tied her children down with belts and is you know. <laughs> Yeah. Cutting her daughter's hair off. I mean, those scenes, again, to, to me as a child, were kind of terrifying. You live in the most beautiful house I in mean, Brentwood, and you don't care if your clothes look unspatched from wire hangers. So what you're saying is now, if I revisit this movie as an adult, and I'm not looking at it from, oh, my God, I don't want my mom I'll to do that this. to me, I will be laughing at the abuse that's being rendered on these children. Yeah, you're laughing at the performance mostly, and you're laughing at just how awkward the entire thing is. Are you picking this movie up? Are you going to get oh, this movie? Yes. You're going to yes. buy this movie? Day one. 
Wow. I've seen it more than once. I'm a fan. And you will put this on specifically just to have a good time, like to laugh, not to take it seriously. Like that's the oh, yeah. sole purpose of this of movie. Okay. It, it's definitely comedy more so than it, that wasn't intended, but that's how it is to be viewed. Do you think sure. you'll check out the head of lettuce? Commentary? Oh, the John Waters commentary. I bet you that's, that's pretty incredible. wild. Even if I had never seen Mommy Dearest, I would probably pick this up just to hear John Waters talking about Mommy Dearest. Nice. Okay. Well, there you have it, everyone. You heard it here first. Out June 1st on Blu-ray for the first time, Mommy Dearest, 40th anniversary. This 4K King is going to pick it up day one, sight unseen. Mm-hmm. I will not. So Shout Factory put out some news the other day. They're releasing a couple of new titles here, including Brotherhood of the Wolf. House of Wax, Little Big League, Little Big League on Shout Select. That's kind of funny. On July 27th is the Dead Zone Collector's Edition. The Dead Zone Collector's Edition. So with the Collector's Editions from Shout, you know you're going to get a little bit more than normal, which is pretty cool. Um, You're definitely going to get a slipcase. You're definitely going to get probably some limited edition poster and some other stuff if you order it directly from them. Um, There aren't really any details at the moment about this release as far as the transfer is concerned, but they do promise a new HD master of the film with bonus features that you would probably come to expect from them. But again, there hasn't been really any any news on that. Um, There is new art involved. It's not horrible, but they also have the original art You can swap the insert out for the original art if you want, which is always nice. Um, You do get an 18 by 24 poster if you order direct now through Shout, and it's for about 30 bucks. So um, this is pretty cool. I think there's a lot of fans, a lot of people out there that are going to be really excited for this. This is the first time the Dead Zone's been released on its own. So initially, you could get this movie in a Stephen King 5 pack that came with Silver Bullet, the Pet Cemetery movies, and some other stuff. Um, but that was the only way to get the dead zone. So if you wanted it, that was your only chance. And from what seems to be, it wasn't a very good release and it wasn't a very good transfer. And it was, you know, shoddy to say the least. So now that this is being taken care of, new master, great company, great, you know, extras and all this kind of stuff. I think there's going to be some people out there that are really excited for this. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Russ? Oh, I wanted to add on too. Uh, if you order directly from Shout Factory, you also receive it two weeks early than the street date. Yep. If you were to order from Amazon, I feel like that's the case with nearly. Oh, I, I can't maybe not say all, but almost every shop that I've purchased something directly from, I always feel like I get a shipping notice weeks before, or at least a few days before. It's nice. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a nice touch. It nice is get you going direct to the source. Yep. No, definitely. Um, and I know you and I have talked about this movie several times before, but we've both said the same thing that we kind of always just forget that this is a David Cronenberg movie. Yes. Yeah, it's just it's kind of it's kind of weird that this is one of his movies in his catalog. And I know you've got some thoughts on whether or not this is like his some of his lesser work or not. For, for me, it's it's one of Cronenberg's lesser films. Cronenberg's a great filmmaker. Yeah. So even a lesser Cronenberg film is better than ninety percent of most filmmakers. Yeah, and I and I feel like this could just be me. Maybe it's some weird thing that's like in my head that I can't get out of. But whenever I watch a Stephen King movie, like horror movies, novels that are put to screen, or or something like, or, or even some of his TV movies, things that you know have his name on it, I always just kind of lump them all together as if they're just the same 
thing. You know, it's like, it's not, oh, it's this director put the Steve, like, it's just, it's Stephen King. Like, I'm watching a Stephen King movie. That's what it is to me. Like, I can't even discern that it's David Cronenberg. There are some exceptions, but generally I agree with you. And that's pretty much why I forget this is a Cronenberg film. I associate it with Stephen King first. Yeah. But if you say The Shining to me, I'm, hey, I'm Kubrick first. There is. You're right. There's a couple couple out there. Palma first. Maybe like the first Pet Cemetery. First Pet Cemetery. I'm Mary Lambert first. Mm -hmm. I even know who made that. Booyah. But uh, for for the most part, I'm with you. And this does. This feels like Stephen King cable. Yeah. A Um, lot of them just feel that way. And this this kind of did. It felt like it's like TV movie feeling. You know what I mean? Like Like, this one I do enjoy. I feel like the Christopher Walken element elevates this material to, mm. to what it is. I mean, his his acting, his character, similar to John Malkovich, where he gave such an incredible performance, he's then later parodied for that same kind of energy. <laughs> Tomorrow, you're gonna buy a cup of coffee. Yeah? Then, you're gonna hail a cab. Does the cab crash? No. You're gonna leave the coffee in the cab. <laughs> Okay. I feel like Christopher Walken suffered from that too. There's some scenes in this movie, some lines that he says that are meant to be 100% serious, but if he was in a movie and said them today, you would laugh your ass off. You know the scene where the kid, he's like tutoring, Mm -hmm. he's getting ready to go to an ice hockey game, and he foresees that the ice is gonna break. The ice is gonna break! That is such a, like, such a quotable, like, line, and just is, like the funny Christopher Walken, it's hard to like not watch that movie now and kind of feel that way when you see him. I don't think that specifically started with Dead Zone, and I don't think that's Christopher Walken's fault in Dead Zone. If anything, that's Cronenberg's fault the acting, for, making, or the directing. for making a film, as we just said, feel like a TV movie. Of course, if Walken's giving it his all in a TV movie and he's got that voice and those mannerisms and that cadence and mannered speech, it's going to be funny. It's intense. Seeing Christopher Walken in a soap opera-ish style is going to be funny. But that's what I'm saying. I feel like it wasn't. And I feel like it was sincere and it was intense. It was an intense performance. But now that you've been clued in in a way to his sense of humor or to the fact that it can be parodied. You don't think he's menacing in true romance? No, definitely. And I think he's menacing in this movie. I feel like I've personally been tainted to Christopher Walken as he's now someone to laugh at not like like to poke uh, fun at his yeah, ways yeah. and then you go back and you watch true romance and you're like oh what a great performance but it's like oh it's like it's walking you know it's like oh he's Man, silly i don't do you know that. what i mean no, i don't have that i, don't, I, I, like, can, I can separate uh the like, lore i can the separate myth. snl walking and welcome to christopher walken's celebrity psychic friends network call this number now all it takes is a phone and an open mind no one will know <laughs> Why aren't you calling? You could be in grave danger. It, like if I if I'm watching Pulp Fiction, I don't laugh when he shows up. I can. If I'm yep. watching King of New York, I'm not laughing. If and I'm I wouldn't watching be la- The Prophecy, I, I'm not laughing. He's I can separate that. He's a great actor. I wouldn't be. La- I wouldn't. I can separate it from this too. It's a thing. It's like just some of these lines come across I just like think it's a subpar movie. I, I I know there's some fans out there for this. I'm going to be there for it. Definitely day one for me. Day two for us. Do it. No one. Well, no. Lastly, quick update regarding our good friends at Arrow. So this kind of went under, I think, under the radar a little bit because there wasn't really any announcement made. But a company that we all know, 
also known as the Hut Group or Hut Limited, um, also known as Zavi, and a bunch of other companies that fall under that umbrella. And they are a UK distribution company, but they've gone out and they've bought Arrow UK and everything underneath of it. So again, there's been no official announcement for this. Nothing has been said about it. You can see publicly where these types of things go on, sales and purchases of companies and so on, and this is out there, where mm. you can see this purchase happened in the beginning of March, I believe. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's anyone's guess how this is going to affect Arrow. Um, I don't know. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts right off the bat? Uh, just what you said. I'm curious as to what this entails. I don't know. You know, sometimes this is a harbinger of doom when someone comes in and scoops up a <clears throat> a business that for uh, maybe failing <laughs> maybe maybe arrows having some issues I, yeah. I hope that's not the case i as, hope it's business as usual i hope they invest i hope there's no change i hope it's i hope there's more investment in arrow maybe an uptick of uh, more releases yeah. and features but I mean, as we know like digital media is on the rise and physical media is going away and we don't know what's going on with arrow but you pretty know pretty good time to start a podcast <laughs> When you kind of look at Arrow, who's kind of this, you know, kind of classy, you know, boutique sure. label, and they kind of tackle these little different niches and whatnot. Packages are usually really great, really well done. Then you look at Zavi, which is, I don't know, it's kind of like, it's like a toy store or something. It's tons of merch. It's clothing. Yeah, yeah. It's housewares. It's it's everything. It's like Spaceballs, the toilet paper. It's like literally everything you could get there. And they also sell DVDs, which yes. is fine if that's... Zavi, but now they're taking over Arrow, and it's kind of like so. That's that company. How is that going to bleed over in some way, or hopefully, is it going to be just business as usual? You know, Zavi, as we talk about all the time, they put these steel books out. They're trying to be hip. They're trying to be all this trendy. That's not what Arrow's trying to do. They're trying to be true. They're trying to yes. remain faithful. You know, very, and, very. and and do something. Maybe if a new art comes along or something that's still within the film's best interest. God knows what Zavi's got in mind when they're putting out some of these steel books, you know? Well said. This is pure conjecture. It, it is. All we it is. know, Zavi could is. come in and this could be, uh, hey, like I said, more focus. It uh, could be. It could knows? be. Who knows? We'll wait and see. I agree with you. I like how you put that. It's similar to, uh, it'd be like, hey, Walmart is buying Criterion. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, exactly. Yeah, it's it, like, it, why? It doesn't, it's apples and oranges, it feels like. Yeah, it, it really does. And I think they've done some kind of like, I don't know, call it maybe shady kind of stuff with some of their releases where they tout stuff as being super limited, but it ain't limited. You know, it comes back. You can't say this is an unlimited item and then reproduce it in some way. We'll call it what it is. It's taking advantage of your fan base, knowing that your customers are niche, they're collectors, they want to have every edition. And it's just taking advantage of it. It is. And I feel like that's probably soured the a lot old of... double dip. It is. But I think that's soured people maybe too zavvy. And I feel it's like... It's going to sour that... people on physical media in general exactly. if these businesses keep doing this practice. Exactly. And now you have that kind of company yeah. that does those practices taking over a company that we love. What the hell is going to happen? Yeah. We don't know. Well, and our warning to you, Zavi, just don't, don't dig your own grave. Yeah. Please don't. We hope that this isn't going to be bad news for Arrow, our good friends. But, you know, again, let us Sincerely. know what you think. Thanks for watching. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming back. All of our new subscribers, we're up to 21. We want to give 21. a quick shout-out to 
Alexander Villeneuve, Mark Vaccaro, Jackson Souza, Katie Talata, Ryan London. All you guys mean so much to us. Thank you for clicking that subscribe button. For all you out there that are watching this, please consider doing the same. Like it, subscribe to it, keep on coming back. Don't forget to check out our Clips channel where we post highlights from this show, as well as other clips that ended up on the cutting room floor. Russ, do you have anything to say to the people before we get out of here? Well, I think...